So now we're going to just continue our conversation. So now that we've had these, gen- these generative discussions, I want us to not only think of this episode as a final piece, but to leave room open to continually expand our understandings of decolonial ways of being. Like Tiffany King's work in A Ceremony for Sycorax, when doing this podcast, I've learned that while editing and creating um, the podcast and creating these episodes, that it's okay for the process work and the processual work to be messy. The pauses and the slight inflictions throughout each, throughout each episode, whether or not anyone noticed, uh, even though it's choppy or you might notice those small pauses, the more the more important thing is that part of this co-constitutive thinking and generative discussions is that they're part of process and they're part of this messy processual work. So while this podcast provides understanding into decolonial features, I think it, it's a forum and a new fulcrum into a deeper way of bearing witness and understanding in processual work and how that can have an equally grounding space for thought. And this is reiterated in Zoe Todd's work on Fishkin and Hope tending to water violations and six treaty territory in which responsibility is situated to everyone. And for instance, Todd, Todd's article, it reads, also imagine that he drew horses on the walls of settler colonial prairie homes as a way of reinscribing his slash our reciprocal responsibilities to more than human beings within landscape. This quote, this quote exemplifies the ability of reinscribing responsibility, but it also allows us to understand reciprocal and relational approaches to not only land, water, but also to reciprocal and relational responses to processual work when creating an otherworldling. And further, further cemented by Brock Turn's article on grassroots resistance to energy project encroachment, analyzing environmental mobilization against the Keystone XL pipeline, in which, when you think about the detrimental impacts of the pipeline, they implicate everyone, but more importantly, it's the processes um, it's the processes in which we resist, but also the processes in which the pipeline have been enacted and, and done through those processual workings in how the pipeline is manifesting itself into those colonial damages. Because the pipeline isn't a simple object of pure one-moment manifestation, but it's the entanglement of that, that processual and continual histories from colonialism. So likewise, when we think about processual work in this podcast and the messiness of this processual work, it's here in which complicit, complicity, being complicit, asserts a neoliberal discourse that frames, it, that frames the impacts of the pipeline as only an issue for Indigenous communities. It's problematic because it obfuscates the accountability from the government and companies that rely on violence on the land and colonial histories and violence on Indigenous communities for it to succeed. So that we examine the Keystone Pipeline through a nuanced lens and a relational lens, it's equally imperative that collective action is undertaken, but done so through acute awareness to our own positionalities and the processual work done to imagine those otherwise futures. Understanding this processual work, in ta- processual work in tandem with relational and reciprocal responsibility in resistance, water and land, is in that co-constitutive discussions and ways of otherworlding involve process. To actively and continually engage by refusing an exactitude, an ex- to actively and continually engage in by refusing an exactitude in which deeper discussions occur, 
but also processual work is placed within an entanglement of our relationships to the scholarship and to each other beyond this podcast. Because I think part of this dis- part of these discussions of decolonial and generative discussions, it's not about a finalized product or creating a perfect piece, but to cherish the so-called imperfections and to embrace the so-called chaos. As noted in Tiffany King's work, the chaos and messiness is something more profound and something that we shouldn't be scared by because chaos is a productive space. It inspires new action and new space, as noted in Tiffany King's work. So while this may seem like a final goodbye, I assure you that the work we do is never finished, but can equally be meaningful to our decolonial futures and imagining an otherwise future in which we in which we dismantle colonial ways of being. As such, to conclude for now, I want to give thanks to the scholarships of T- Tiffany King, Zoe Todd, Billy Ray Belcourt, Sarah Hunt, Cindy Holmes, the uh, Indigenous Environmental Network, the Native Youth Sexual Health Network, Harsha Walia. But I also want to give thanks to those of you listening and deeply engaging with the scholarship as well. Because without deeply listening and bearing witness to Indigenous communities, the nuances of colonial violence, as well as our own positionalities, as noted in episode two. We cannot understand the deep histories of colonial damage because we haven't started our own healing journeys. And this is a journey that never ends because resistance and decolonial futures require the constant and continual part of our processual work. So thank you, and I hope, like for myself, that these discussions have been insightful but more than that, a way in which we can guide an intersectional framework of care by listening and bearing witness and caring for one another. Thank you.